Hey guys, this is Tom, and I just had a excellent podcast with Ryan. And actually, after years of hitchhiking, after years of giving public talks, we just discovered. Actually, Ryan discovered, and but I'll just play it like it's my idea. And the connection between hitchhiking and public speaking. So yeah, uh, check it out, and uh, hopefully you'll uh, get a lot of valuable information from. Welcome to the World of Speakers podcast, brought to you by Speaker Hub. In each episode, we interview a professional speaker and reveal their very best tips and tricks. You'll learn to improve your presentation skills, keep your audience engaged, and learn how to grow your business to get more gigs and make more money. Here's your host, Ryan Foland. And we are back here. Today, I'm super excited because we're talking with another world traveler, somebody who has traveled through hitchhiking and the most basic means possible to meet amazing people, and then bringing that story back around the world in a speaking capacity. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Love is on the line with us now. Thomas, how are you, sir? I'm pretty good, sir, and how are you? I'm fantastic. Excellent. Have you been hitchhiking yet today? (laughs) (laughs) Not today, not today. I've been busy, and I'm actually back home uh, for a few more days, and then I'm back on the road. Not hitchhiking, but we'll get to that. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit more about your story, where this all came from. You you are a classic example of someone who is speaking around the world and traveling around the world, but I know there's a good backstory to it. So let's get to know you a little bit. Yes, I, I think uh, like with every story, uh, it starts with reaching the bottom, right? So hitting the bottom. My story started back in 2007, 2008. When I had a pretty different lifestyle, I was a stockbroker in, in Zagreb, Croatia, in my home city. So I was, yeah, I was leading a completely different lifestyle, you know, stock exchange, like Wolf of Wall Street, those kind of things, you know. Right. And then uh, the financial crash came in 2008 and uh, I lost everything. Not, not only I lost everything, but I was in huge debt. I was around like thirty, thirty five thousand dollars uh, in debt. So... I had no idea what to do, right? So I was uh, I was broke. I had a job that I didn't really like anymore. Plus, I still haven't even finished my master's degree at, at my university. But reaching the bottom of my life kind of inspired me to ask myself uh, the one and only question. And that was, what do I really want to do with my life? And by chance, uh, a lot of people came into my life that were traveling around the world, mostly through this website called Couchsurfing. So I was living in my home city, and I was hosting all these people from all around the world. And by hosting them, it kind of, they kind of opened up an entire new world for me, the world of traveling. They inspired me. They motivated me. They educated me how can I travel uh, really cheaply. I tried it, and I've been doing it ever since. So in the last seven or eight years, and most of the time I've been on the road. And yeah, I started writing about it, taking photos, and traveling around the world with almost no money. Wow. And when you say traveling around the world, I mean, you have traveled around the world. And I saw a map on your website and it was just all these little dots connected, almost crazy style, like all over the world. Is there any place you haven't been? (laughs) Well, there are many places I haven't been. But when I speak of continents, I haven't been to North America. (laughs) That's one of the most important ones, some might say. But yeah, I've skipped uh, USA and Canada and Mexico for now. And I haven't been to Antarctica, of course, because that's uh, that's too chilly for me. I like the, the the hot and warm places around the world. So yeah, I've been to uh, Europe, Asia, Australia, Africa, and uh, South America. 
Very cool. And I would imagine that in Antarctica, it's hard to find some good hitchhiking spots. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard some people actually managed to like hitchhike some cargo boats or, uh, or some get a job on some cruisers that go to Antarctica. But yeah, once when you get there, you have you can't really hitch on Antarctica, or maybe if you're lucky, you can find some uh, scientists or something with their like I don't know snowmobile uh, vehicles or whatever. But yeah, it's just uh, never occurred to me to go there to get that uh, you know something out of my uh, out of my bucket list. It, it it never was on my bucket list. So yeah, it's not about like, a lot of travelers will tell you it's not about uh, collecting the continents or countries. It's just you know, traveling, uh, doing what you like and uh, enjoying uh, spending time with other people from other cultures. Now, when you were growing up, did you have aspirations to travel or did this really just stem out of the fact that you had this rock bottom moment and then the life, you know, the world sort of presented this as an option? Well, I think I wanted to travel all my life, just like everybody else wants to travel. You know, I think it's uh, kind of something we are born with. It's something that is ingrained in us, this a quest for uh, curiosity and uh, willing to explore. You know, like when we're kids, w- what do we do? We're, we're trying to look what's behind that door, what's behind that door. So I think I, I wasn't really like somebody that wanted to travel more than the kids or the people that I grew up with. It's just that, I don't know, uh, I started uh, asking myself these questions when I was growing up and uh I wanted to see for myself what this world is all about. Uh, I didn't want to believe it, what environment told me, you know, what, what my parents taught me, what my school taught me, my religion, my media, my government, and so on and so on. But I think mainly the biggest uh, thing, the biggest, I don't know how to say it, but uh, the biggest motive or uh, was put by the people that were traveling themselves. And just by hearing their stories, I was like, wow, these people lead really cool lives. I want to give it a shot. So I gave it a shot. Uh, was It wasn't a big deal. And then I realized that if these guys can travel, I can travel. And if I can travel, everybody can travel. So it's just a matter of uh, priorities and uh, what you really, really want to do in life. And now these travels have allowed you to write a book and then you've come back and you speak now in various places about this topic of travel. So have you always had that public speaker bug or have you always been comfortable in front of people? Tell me about your history with your natural ability to speak and share stories. Well, when I look backwards, I, I never really had an idea to like use my traveling to give public speeches. So it, it wasn't really a plan of mine. It just happened by coincidence. But looking back uh, even further, when I was a kid, I don't know, when I was in kindergarten, when I was in elementary school, I was one of those kids that liked to, uh, you know, stand in front of the class and uh, give a talk about something, you know, maybe is it only homework or maybe it was like some school play and I I wanted to be a part of it. So I kind of had this, I'm not sure what I call it, urge, but I was more comfortable than other kids, uh, let's say, in the elementary school, which didn't mean that I wasn't nervous, of course. Uh, It just meant that being out there in front of everybody kind of gives you more than what fear brings back, if you know what I mean. So, but yeah, even today, even after like years and years of of, uh, giving speeches and giving talks and lectures and so on, 
I'm still nervous, you know, like I go out in front of, sometimes <laughs> I go out in front of 20 people. Sometimes I go out in front of uh, 1500 people. I'm still nervous, you know, every single time, but it comes with practice, I guess. And I uh, just, uh, rationalizing everything that like it's okay to be nervous it's okay to be afraid just go ahead with it and uh, everything at the end it will be uh, you will understand why you were afraid and you will see that it was definitely worth it yeah now with your job in the stock market and you know were you more of a in a sales capacity or were you more in a transactional like did you were you interacting with other stockbrokers and did your sort of your innate ability to speak and that gift of gab and that confidence that you have, did that really help you to become the successful stockbroker that you were? Well, I'm not sure was I a successful stockbroker. I was successful stockbroker when everybody was successful. <laughs> when, when the market is going up, okay. it's not really hard to be successful, right? <laughs> right? So I thought I was successful and everybody around me thought I was successful because I, were, I was earning a lot of money. But looking backwards, like a lot of people were earning a lot of money back then. When it comes to my profile of a stockbroker, I was, they, they call it a day trader. So I just went into the office. I did contact other clients, which they wanted, like, what do you want to invest today? Do you want to sell? Do you want to, do you want to keep something? Do you want to buy something? And so on. But for me, uh, stock exchange was just psychology. Mm. When I went into the office, I had two screens be, be, before me. Uh, one was buy, one was sell, and I was just looking how people were uh, re reacting on certain news. And if somebody, if I see there's a lot of people that want to buy, you know, I, I was getting in front of them and, uh, of course, trying to buy low, sell uh, when it's high. So for me, it was all just psychology and it was a, a game. And maybe even gambling as well, you know, because it gives you a lot of, uh, you know, uh, adrenaline when you're uh, when you're buying and selling. And, and this was like uh, the money that I was uh, in charge of was really big, especially for me. I was only maybe 22, 23 years old. So there were like uh, not millions, but hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, involved. Right. So. It kind of learned me to, uh, it taught me to react in an instant. Let's just put it that way. So it kind of helped later on with traveling, with keeping my, uh, my lectures and my public speeches and so on. So yeah, it was uh, like everything in life, it, it was definitely a lesson. Excellent. And what is the main topic or the set of topics that you speak about? Is it really traveling? Is it adventure? Is it some of the lessons that you've learned while traveling? When you take the stage, what are the, common topics or your, your favorite talks to give? So in the last three or four years, I, I, I gave a large variety of talks, but I, I think I could break it down into three major categories. Uh, first is uh, something that everybody likes to hear, and that is how to travel the world with almost no money. That was also the, the title of my TEDx talk, which also brought me a lot of people that heard about me and so on and so on. Uh, it, it's actually one of the top 50 most viewed TEDx talks of all time. So this is the topic that everybody wants to hear about because majority of the people want to travel and they don't have money. Hmm. So here I am, you know, a guy who was hitchhiking around the world, who was couch surfing around the world, this and that. So I'm telling them, what I did that allowed me to spend a little bit of money and travel all around the world. So I'm talking about, you know, alternative ways of traveling from hitchhiking, walking, cycling to alternative ways of accommodation. I don't know, couch surfing, camping, volunteering, 
home exchange, house sitting, so on and so on. So this is the topic that I think people want to hear the most. But also I, I, the second part, let's put it that way, is uh, the biggest challenges I had to overcome while I was traveling and before I embarked on my travel. So that part is not only travel story, it's also a you know, life lessons that I learned and a kind of an inspirational, motivational talk as well, because I'm going through my fears. I'm going through the lessons I've learned, like, of course, on, on my own skin, uh, the hardest way, you know, like that's the only way we can learn uh, these kind of things if we live through it. So uh, in this way, I'm trying to tell people, you know, don't be afraid of this and that. This is how I dealt with certain issues and so on. So that's the second part of the talks that I give. And the third part is actually the, the one that comes uh, in the last couple of years. And that's how I turn my love and passion for traveling into my job and into my career. So I'm telling them how I managed to get as much uh, you know, uh, social media followers, uh, how I wrote and self-published and crowdfunded two of my books, how I started uh, giving uh, speeches and talks and lectures and so on and so on. So these are the three main topics. So how to travel the world with almost no money, lessons I learned on the road, and how I turn my travels into my career. Awesome. Those are all three topics that seem to sort of build on each other, which is fantastic. And I want to pick your brain about how you would help others who want to become better speakers. And I think it might be fun to challenge you to come up with some analogies to your hitchhiking because I've watched some of your videos and you have really funny kind of uh, a bunch of tips like tip number 15, tip number 56, tip number this, yeah. and you're on the road and you're basically giving amazing advice for people who want to hitchhike. And as I was listening, like <laughs> I couldn't help but think an analogy to some public speaking skills in relation to hitchhiking. So let's spend the next few minutes going through hitchhiking advice that also is something public speakers can learn from. Sure. Uh, okay, so uh, with hitchhiking, uh, thinking back, the most important thing is to prepare yourself. I think this is pretty much the same with, with public speaking, you know, like with hitchhiking, you don't have to have some experience to hitchhike, but you, you have to know, you know, how to pack your backpack and how to find the place or choose a route that will take you to the next city, you know, like using Google Maps or hitchwiki.org, which is an amazing, it's like a Wikipedia for hitchhikers. Hmm. So the, the most important thing is to prepare yourself while hitchhiking, because if you're not on the right place, you're, you're not going anywhere, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can just stay in front of your, your house and try to hitchhike there, but there is probably a low chance that somebody is going far, far away. So it's the same thing uh, with giving public speeches, you know, you have to prepare yourself. You have to know what you want to say, like where you want to go when you're hitchhiking, you know? So preparation is a great thing, even though it might lead to a lot of improvisation. But I think you can improvise if you prepare yourself in the right way. So I don't know, uh, with hitchhiking also, you, you have to, uh, you know, choose a good spot for to start hitchhiking, to continue hitchhiking, whether that's on gas stations or highway uh, toll booths or whatever uh, is the same with uh, with public speaking you know if you're giving a, a speech of a topic that doesn't really interest a lot of people you have to find your niche you have to find the people who are willing to hear your story who are interested in your story 
So if I was uh, to go, I don't know, with my travel story to some, I don't know, kitchen appliance uh, festival or, uh, or something, <laughs> I don't know if that even exists. Right. Yeah. Uh, what are the chances that people there will, will listen to me? Or if I go to the kindergarten or like people there, kids there won't be that much interested. Maybe if I dress as a clown and try to explain them in a, in a funny way what hitchhiking, what traveling is all about. Yeah. But still. <laughs> right. One of the also lessons is uh, how you look when you hitchhike. So hmm. if you're hitchhiking, if, if you're grumpy, nobody will stop. You know, nobody wants a grumpy guy in, your, in, in their car. Nobody wants the smelly guy in their car. Nobody wants, uh, I don't know, wet guy who just uh, doesn't, uh, cannot afford an umbrella or, uh, or a raincoat or whatever. So look decent, you know, uh, smile. During hitchhiking, pretty much same thing goes with public speech. You know, it's uh, <laughs> you have to you have to look decent for for people to to listen to you. Which doesn't mean you cannot you know walk uh, bare feet and look uh, have dreadlocks. And yeah, if you're on that kind of a lecture or on that kind of a festival, yeah, go ahead, man. I gave a lot of my talks walking bare feet, but it wasn't in some. Uh, nice uh, and fancy places yeah it was like you know in a park so that's also you, you can connect that with uh, hitchhiking with, um, with with giving public speeches also one thing when hitchhiking uh, this is a controversial thing it's like should you have a sign or should you not have a sign i like to have signs but even more than having signs while hitchhiking i like to like to have like a slideshow when I give my talks. Because in case I forget something, in case I skip a very important thing that I want to say during my lectures, my slides are here to remind me what I want to, uh, want to talk about. So slides are very, very important for me during my lectures because they give an audience a visual interpretation of what I want to say. But in the same time, it reminds me of the story what I want to say. So if I sometimes when I wasn't this experienced, let's just put there. Now I have like over three hundred talks behind me. But at the beginning, it was really uh, important to not to forget something, and this is why I use partially my uh, my slides. If I forget, if I get confused, I just look backwards and I see one uh, word or I see one sentence that I know I want to make a, make a certain point, right? Yeah. But also it's important to improvise. Like with hitchhiking, you know, sometimes you're going to one city and you meet up some people on the way and you just change your route and, uh, and go the other way. So that can also be very valuable during lectures, but that maybe comes with some more experience. And the, the last maybe, uh, but not the least, is to enjoy. <laughs> hitchhiking is not the best thing in the world. And if you're doing it just to get from point A to point B, I don't see the point of it. Same thing with public speaking. You know, if you're doing it only to, I don't know, earn money or put yourself out there for, I don't know what, what reason, that's just not good, you know, because after a while it will lose something that put you up there on the stage. All right. So from a world traveled using hitchhiking, you were saying preparation is key. <laughs> finding a good spot on where you're going to give your speech is important. Then you've got um, how you look. You don't want to be the stinky speaker. <laughs> you don't want to be <laughs> But granted, if you want to wear bare feet and have dreadlocks and that's you're talking to a bunch of other people that appreciate that sort of humble authenticity of like, this is what I'm doing right now, then that works. 
And I really like this idea of as a hitchhiker, you've got this sign or no sign. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's informing your audience who is the car blasting by at 70 to 100 miles an hour of where you're going. But you've taken this hitchhiking lesson to basically say that's why it's important for you as a speaker to have the visuals to help guide you as uh, as the audience is driving by when you're on stage. Yeah, and the best thing is that I hadn't, like, you kind of surprised me with the connection between hitchhiking and, and uh, public speak. But now, I, I never thought about it before, you know? But yeah. now when I think about it, there, there are pretty, like, a lot of uh, things that connect these two, actually. Yeah, and this could be a whole other speech for you, right? Like, <laughs> how to speak like a hitchhiker or the hitchhiker's guide to speaking. That might be good. Yeah, man. Like, um, thank you for giving me an idea. I'll just, I'll just start <laughs> working on another uh, topic now when, when I hang up this call. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if you think about it too, uh, just kind of on the communication side of things, if you are prepared, you're in the right spot, you look good, you have a sign or not, depending on what's culturally relevant, you know, you're willing to improvise if the car that you're driving is going the different way and you're enjoying the process. If as that person, you still do not communicate well or you fumble your words to the person you're trying to get a ride with, the chances of you being successful as a hitchhiker really is dependent on your communication. This is all, you're, you're talking body language, you're talking preparation. So this whole new series you have could be traveling communication for individuals who want to hitchhike. There's like some real, you know, humanistic basics going on with hitchhiking and the communication that goes on with it. Yeah, man, you, uh, you're definitely right. And you're going very, very deep. I think this, this talk <laughs> would be like hours and hours. I know we don't have that much time. Yeah. But definitely, man, it's, it's, uh, I, I can see it now, even though I've been like, I started hitchhiking seven, eight years ago and giving public talks like three years ago. I never had uh, this idea that there are so many things that connect these two. But also maybe something that I haven't really uh, mentioned before is you have to have your own story. You have to have the reason why you're doing it. You know, like maybe I said, if you're hitchhiking from point A to point B, just to get to point B, maybe you won't enjoy it as much. And also with giving public talks, you know, it's, uh, you have to know what's in it for you, what's in it for the people that are listening to you. And you have to turn it into something bigger than just me speaking to all these people or me hitchhiking and traveling around the world. It has to have some sort of a bigger value for the people. You have to give something. Like you have to uh, give to your drivers when you're driving with them, you have to give them a cool story. Mm. You have to give them a smile. You have to maybe, you know, give them a, a small present because they're giving you a ride, man. You know, they're, they're hosting you in their own car, which is also the, their intimate space. So it's also a connection with, with public speaking. It's People came there to listen to you or a bunch of other people as well, but you are there in the meantime. So you have to give something to them. You have to give them something valuable so they don't uh, you know, uh, go on their mobile phones while they're listening to your talk. You have a certain amount of time to just you know, give them everything you have. And that's what I did with hitchhiking. That's what I'm trying to do with public speaking as well. Yeah, and, and I think that the rabbit hole even goes deeper when you get into... When you're inside of the car, this idea that like you have to somehow be of value as a passenger. You can't just be a stinky, grumpy guy who sits there and falls asleep and snores. 
you're actively listening to their stories or you're sharing your stories with them. And if you think about it, every time you get into a car and you're hitchhiking, that's like a little private show. Yeah, definitely. This is a, a stage where you're in the audience talking with the person and really the, whatever's happening outside the vehicle is is what's happening. But it's an audience of one or two or three. Or if you're in the back of a pickup truck and there's 10 people, <laughs> right? Yeah. You have a little mini stage. Pretty much, yeah. Looking at it from that perspective, probably hitchhiking and talking with my drivers improved my public speaking skills because before I started hitchhiking, I... I pretty much never gave a, a public talk. I mean, I in high school, yeah, but you know about certain issues or school plays and this and that. But yeah, probably you're right. You know, maybe hitchhiking was just uh, not just, but a part of hitchhiking was also practicing for for something else. And now I now I understand what that something else was. Yeah, it was me standing on the stage and giving my story to other people. Yeah. And you'd mentioned that you have like 300 talks you've given. So here's a challenging question and just take a guess. How many hitchhiked or how many rides, how many different car rides have you successfully hitchhiked? <laughs> I mean, you, you might not know, but just take a guess. What do you think? How many cars have you hitchhiked in? Definitely more than 300. Okay. But I would say, I don't know, between 500 and 1000. Let's just. Okay. So let's just say 500, right? Yeah. So now you can say like, look, I've given over 300 speeches in front of an audience and over 500 personal presentations <laughs> in vehicles. <laughs> I, will, I will definitely put it in my speaker's CV when we, yeah. <laughs> when we, yeah, when we got, stop this conversation. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that's, that's funny. And so now you can motivate, you can put together like a, a travel program, a whole new guide, which is the Hitchhiker's you know, Guide to Public Speaking. And you have them put themselves in different situations where... If you're in a truck and you have in the back and there's three other people, try to captivate them with a story that's more than five minutes, less than seven minutes, you know, and like ask engaging questions. And I can see that being like a traveler's public speaking guide. Yeah, me too, man. I, I think, I think <laughs> like we should stop doing what we're doing now and just go, go on this project <laughs> together. <man. laughs> yeah, then we can transcribe the audio and then that'll be the, the lesson plan and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> stop with these podcasts and stuff like that. Let's just do this something completely new. But no, seriously, it is a really, really good, uh, I don't know, thing. It's that a concept. It's, but yeah. it's, it's solving a problem for, I mean, I think that you're, you're deeper into the public speaking and have an ability to train those who might like, think of it, the world traveler, the person who wants to like hitchhike around, they probably aren't thinking about how to improve their public speaking skills. Let's be honest, right? Like I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. But if you're there saying, look, you can follow your dreams. You can travel around the world on hardly any money. And at the same time, get like a, you know, maybe call it an MBA in speaking, but, but change it to like um, a master's in, Maybe it's a MHA, a Masters in Hitchhiking Association. <laughs> I think we will start the university or something. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Cool. And then if you have your, when you drew your next book, just let me know and I'll help you illustrate it with some stick figure drawings. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll do some cooperation together after. This. Yeah. You gave me some great thoughts. I'll be a test pilot. I'll say, you know what, Thomas? I'm going to go travel all of Europe and I'll follow your curriculum and then I'll document it and share it. And then, yeah, there you go. That's it, man. Totally. Plus, in, in like nine months or so, I'm planning to organize a hitchhiking race through Europe. Oh, that is awesome. So yeah, man. Have that in mind. 
Okay, sign me up. I'll be your first contestant. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, so let's transition in the last part of this. Uh, you know, I always like to know how people monetize their message or how have you turned this travel from couch surfing into a lifestyle and a business? And it sounds like this is a big part of what you talk about. So step us through what you share with people about how they can take something as simple as traveling and turn it into a business. Okay, so... First thing I think uh, people make the biggest mistake is to start doing something because they think it will bring them money in the long term. Mm. So with me, my traveling, with my uh, travel stories, with my public speak, it, it was never really meant to be what it is today. I started traveling because I wanted to travel and that, that period, you know, I didn't start traveling because I wanted to make a blog because I wanted to write books, because I wanted to, to give public speeches. These are all the things that came years and years later. Why I started and how I started monetizing my, uh, my travel stories, I wouldn't even thought about it probably if I didn't have this huge debt after the financial crash, you know? Right. So uh, after this financial crisis, I found myself bankrupt. I was in debt, like $35,000, and I wanted to travel. So... I wanted to blend in these two things. I wanted to travel and I want to earn money while traveling. So I was thinking about how is that possible? My first idea was like, go to Australia and I'll work there for a year, live like only on bread and water, how they say, earn a lot of money, pay off my debt, then continue traveling. But then as longer I thought about it, I was like, well, my friends from Facebook, you know, they were really happy to see my photos when I was traveling and hitchhiking and doing this and that. And I was like, wow, maybe, maybe I should start writing about it. Maybe like other people that don't know who I am, maybe they would be interested in following my story. Hmm. Maybe all those people that inspired me, motivated me, educated me, maybe I can give back kind of a debt to society and try to motivate, educate and inspire other people. You know, so for the first couple of years, I had no idea how to monetize or even thought about it. But later on, you know, it kind of came to itself. I, I started writing my blog. I, uh, I created a YouTube channel. I, I started my own website and so on and so on. And had a, Facebook was my main social network that I communicated with, with the people. I also started very early back in 2010 when there was not as many Facebook pages as it is today. So maybe... Timing was also very, very good and very important. But uh, I just gave to people what they wanted. And I gave it for free. You know, years and years, I, everything I, I shot, everything I wrote, I was, I was giving them for free because I, I saw no point. Like I was traveling around the world with almost no money and now I should sell this to somebody. Uh, no, no, no. But I used the, the other approach. I was like, okay, I want to give it every, everything out there for free. But is there any company maybe or uh, association or something that could pay me to kind of promote their products while I'm traveling? And I was like, yeah. But before that, I have to, I have to get a certain amount of people that are following me. I cannot go with a thousand Facebook likes and say, hey, you know, go to a big company and say, I want to travel around the world. Give me money to do that. Hmm. You know, they would say, I, I have 200 people that want to do the same thing. Why are you so special? So you have to have something that it's more valuable than your competition, let's just put it that way, in strictly economic terms. So when I had uh, like my first sponsors, I already had like 
between five and 10,000 people on my Facebook page. So I could go to a certain company here in Croatia, which is much smaller. Uh, it's a small country with only like four, 4.1 million people living here. So I already had something to offer them. So that's also very important. I, maybe that's step number two. I never had as many like uh, step number one, step number two, but let's try to improvise. So step number one is don't do what you're doing just because you think you will earn money from it. Okay. Do it because you like to do it and then find a way to monetize it. Second thing is to create something even before you, you try to monetize it. You should create something first and then see is, is somebody... Uh, interested in uh, backing you up, sponsoring you, buying your book and this and that. You know, my book, I wrote it after five years of traveling. So I already had like, I don't know, 50,000 people on my Facebook page. And I was like, well, if I write a book, will somebody buy it? Of course, yes, because all these people were reading all of my stories in, in years and years. Uh, so a lot of things happened to me uh, just because I was uh, was doing what I would like to do, even though I, I know it sounds like a cliche, but it was like that, you know, I was doing what I like to do. And I was always thinking about, okay, what I create, I created it because I love it. But is there another way that I could maybe earn my living from it? So I don't have to work something that I don't like, so I can be able to travel around the world. So it started with uh, having sponsors while I was traveling. And after my travels, I was like, at one point, I was, uh, I didn't want to travel as much as I traveled before. So I was like, okay. Maybe it's time to write a book. And I wrote the book and I was like, okay, what should I do now? Should I publish it by myself or should I find a publisher? And I was like, well, I already have all these people on my uh, social media. I should publish it myself. Wow, there's this thing called crowdfunding. Let's try Indiegogo. Let's try Kickstarter. So in these ways, I managed to get, get the funds for my book, for example. And when I published my book, I was like, okay, what should I do now? Maybe I should go on a tour. How should I go on a tour? I don't have any money. Let's hitchhike around Croatia. Let's send the books in all of the cities. Let's ask the people from Facebook that uh, that will help me organize lectures in their own cities. Mm. And I will organize everything for free. And I will earn some money by selling books. Later on, after first 100 lectures, I, I figure out that actually some libraries give you money to come there and give a speech. And I was like, wow, seriously, I can get the money from the library, plus I can sell the books. Wow, perfect. And then after like 200 talks, my friend from Brussels told me like, you should come to Brussels to hold the talk here. I was like, man, like who's going to come in Brussels? I'm a Croatian guy, you know, like I'm not that popular <laughs> outside of Croatia, maybe, who knows? And he's like, well, let's try to organize it. And after we, uh, he found like a pub for 100, 120 people and he opened up a Facebook event, invited all of his friends from Brussels and we were hoping to get like 100, 150 people that will, that will just come, you know, for the free lecture in Brussels. And after a couple of days, we had over 35,000 people on the Facebook event that wanted to attend. Wow. And we were like, damn, what, what just happened? You know, with no promotion, <laughs> we just word of mouth. We need a bigger bar. <laughs> exactly. And then we said... Uh, Let's rent a venue, let's rent a big venue and charge for the tickets. And I was like, I was really skeptical, you know, who's going to pay for the tickets to come to my lecture. I had over 200 talks and nobody ever gave me any money for it. You know, not at least not the people that came to the lectures. Right. But we gave a shot. We rented a huge venue in the center of Brussels. It was 1,432 seats mm. and we sold it out. We, we sold the 
sold tickets for like five euros and we sold out the venue and we did it twice only in Brussels. So, but I repeat, nothing of this was planned. I had a goal. I had a goal to travel. And when I traveled, then I had a goal, okay, I don't want to go to uh, work in an office. Maybe I should use my travel experience and my travel stories to turn it into my job. So then I found, you know, uh, first book and first actually sponsors, then the book and then the lectures and then the combination of the sponsors and books and lectures. So there's a large variety of things one can do to do exactly what I did, to turn their passion and love for something into their job, into their career. Wow. And it sounds like social media played a big part in that. So how would you suggest uh, that that is a, a common sort of ground within that strategy that you have is building that base, building your fans, sharing with them along the way? Definitely. Definitely. Uh, I mean, we, we live in a, in a world where everybody's constantly on social media. So when I was thinking about it, like uh, when I started writing back in 2010, I was like, okay, what, which channel should I use to reach to as many people as possible? It has to be a free channel because I had no money to start to create my own website or I don't know what, what I was planning to do. And I, I chose Facebook because it was free for me. It was free for other people. Let's just do it that way. So yeah, social media had a massive impact on what I did. But I think that we people, are, we always adjust, you know, like if there is no social media, we will find another way. If I don't go out for libraries to sell my books, I would just go on a, on a beach somewhere and uh, find a projector and a beamer and hold a talk right on the beach somewhere. You know, I will find a way if I believe in my story and if I am uh, at least a little bit educated about economics. But I think you only need common sense. I think you only need some logic. I never use my masters in, in business and economics, uh, like the things I read in books and so on, to use it on my business. Later on, when I used some of the things in my business, I realized, oh, that's something that I learned in school. But I learned it on the way. I didn't learn it first and then used it. I just learned on my own, my own mistakes, on my own falls and on my own successes. So It really sounds like this route to monetization is very similar to a hitchhiking travel adventure, right? <laughs> that's pretty much, yeah. This idea, and going back to sort of these hitchhiking tips being prepared, choosing the right spot, being flexible, being aware of what you look like during the process, guiding you and your listeners or readers, whether it's visuals, whether it's a book, whether it's social media posts, and this whole idea of enjoying the process, but leveraging the tools around you. And if there's no Wi-Fi, well, figure it out, right? Exactly. Get a Sharpie marker and, and make a sign. And this ability to ebb and flow with your surroundings. And it sounds like your monetization process was exactly that. Hey, we're going to just, we're going to go. And then along the way, we're going to figure out what works and then we're going to try it. And if there's a fork in the road, we're going to choose a way. And if that doesn't work, we're going to go back. We're going to choose the other way. You know, it's a very logical, but very unstructured kind of adventure. It seems like. Yeah. It's like, I always say to people like guys to do what I did, you just need common sense. You just need some basic logics. You know, it's people think when they hear my story, they think, Oh, this guy is such an adventure. He's so brave. Guys, I'm nothing out of the ordinary. I'm just like the guy next door. 
right? So I, my life is uh, was was pretty much the same like lives of all the people around me. So I just used common sense. I just used logic, and I did that extra step. Let's just put it that way. I just didn't. Uh, I was afraid of doing all these things, but rationalization with logic, I said. Why should I be afraid of something that I never did? Let's just give it a shot and see if that something is that scary or not. And also the same thing goes for hitchhiking and for public speaking. When I went out to give a a public talk, I was completely nervous. I have a video of my first public talk back in 2010. It was like I was just bumping from one uh, leg to another. Uh, My my (laughs) voice was shaking. I, I couldn't keep eye contact with the audience and stuff like that. But with practice, with time, the reward comes. And I also thought of just another connection with it, with hitchhiking and, and public speaking. A lot of people ask me, like, uh, now when I have a lot of experience, whether I like it or not, with public speaking, people ask me, is it hard, you know, to tell the same story all over again? I always tell them, like, it's the same thing when you're hitchhiking. You know, everybody who picks you up, they want to hear your story or they want to tell you their story. But you always have to look at it from their own perspective. You have to see, like, this guy asks me, what's my name? Where I'm from? What am I doing for a living? How do I afford to travel? Blah, 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 blah. That's the same type of question that asked me 10 people before that I was hitchhiking this day. So this is the 11th mm-hmm. time maybe that I have to share the same story. But you always have to look at it from their perspective. It is the first time they ask you this question. Mm. During your lectures, it is the first time somebody comes and listens what you have to speak. So you have to look at it that way. If you look at it, uh, oh, I'm here, I'm giving the uh, same talk. Like, just, it's not job for you, man. Like, Can you imagine teachers... Like after giving the same lecture for uh, five different classes, going to the sixth class and being like, guys, uh, I already gave this class uh, <laughs> to the five, five classes before you are, take a break. And um, it's pretty much the same thing. You know? So you, can, you always have to look at from perspective of, of other side, that either that's the driver of, the, of your car or somebody from the audience uh, during your public speech. I love that. Now, I'm looking forward to this Hitchhiker's Guide to Public Speaking. And, uh, <laughs> Me too, man. <laughs> and as, as kind of a final note here, one of my favorite tips that you had in your hitchhiking was that you take your thumb like this and you just put it up. <laughs> and he said, most of you have a thumb, so this is easy. <laughs> well, pretty much is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, those people that have a message, that they have the ability to speak, even if you can't physically speak, you can sign but, you know, think of your voice as your thumb. And if you want to share that with people, you've got to speak your voice. You've got to put it out there just like you put up your thumb. Otherwise, no one's going to pick you up. No one's going to sit in your audience and no one's going to want to hear your story. So exactly. what a fun analogy. And, and I'm excited to follow your adventures and then definitely excited to uh, be involved in the hitchhike race coming up soon. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, we'll definitely we'll definitely continue our little talks about this uh, hitchhiking, uh, public speaking, I don't know, mixture yeah. or whatever. The mashup. It has, a, it, has a, it has a cool potential, actually. Yeah. Hey, so tell people where the best place is to follow your adventures online. Well, uh, people just Google my name. So it's uh, Tomislav Perko, T-O-M-I-S-L-A-V-P-R-K-O. 
or just, uh, you know, I have a website, uh, thomaslaperko.com or uh, thomaslaperko. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. So they can check my, uh, my, my TEDx talk, uh, which is called How to Travel the World with Almost No Money. I think that's the, the, the best thing that people can start with if they are interested in my story. It's 18 minutes long and it's, uh, it's one of the best lectures I ever, I ever held. And it's in English, so uh, like so, the majority of my talks I gave are in Croatian because I gave it in in my own country. But yeah, I think uh, Facebook is probably uh, the the best social media that they can uh, they can follow me. Excellent. We'll make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes. Well, Thomas, Mister Love, uh, this has been amazing, fun stuff, and uh, for everybody out there, remember, speaking is like hip- hitchhiking. You just got to put yourself on the right road and you got to put your thumb out and then you just got to tell stories, right? <laughs> exactly, man. Thank you very much for this opportunity uh, to share my story with, with some more people. And if I can just uh, close it with, with, with one thing sure. that I like to really share, share with other people, no matter what people tell you, like how to travel, how to hitchhike, how to give public speeches, go and figure it out for yourself. The, like, the story I give, the, all the stories you hear, uh, all the inspirational talks, all of uh, travel stories and this and that, you can learn a lot of a lot from it, but go and learn on your own mistakes. Go and learn from your own talks, from your uh, own uh, bad experience. You know, this is the, the way that you will learn it, not only in theory, but in practice. So yeah. Take everything you can from uh, these podcasts, from uh, YouTube videos, from blogs and this and that. But if you don't go out there and try it for yourself, everything else is in vain. Word to that. All right, Tom, this has been a blast. And we will talk to you later. See you online and maybe share the stage sometime. I really hope so, man. It was a great pleasure. And uh, yeah, bye to all of your listeners. How do you say goodbye in Croatian? Zbogom. All right. On the count of three, we'll say that together. One, two, three. Zbogom. (laughs) All right, we'll see you, Tom. Have a great day. Yeah, man.